Chapter 8 of A Game of Chance by a Self-Made Man This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8 For the Sake of Her Enemy A great deal of sympathy was expressed by the girls of Northport Cotton Mills for Jessie Fairweather that afternoon, while at the same time if Miss McBoyle and Tessie Rickson could have heard all the remarks passed upon their conduct over the pocketbook affair, they would not have been a bit pleased. News of that nature is bound to spread, and it was not long before the intelligence reached the engine room. Now, oh, what do you think of that? cried Will Summers after one of the kids of the establishment had told him all about the dressing room trouble. This remark was made to Mr. Davis, the engineer, who, pipe in mouth, had been quietly listening to the story. A jealous girl is capable of doing a great deal of mischief, said the engineer sagely. Well, I should say so but only a very spiteful, reckless girl would put up such a mean job as that, said Will angrily. Mr. Davis nodded. But of course there isn't any doubt, but she was at the bottom of the scheme, went on Will, though the fact hasn't actually been shown. But from the way Billy says the girls are handing it out to Miss Rickson this afternoon, it's evident that they all believe she's guilty of the plot. And wouldn't you think that a woman like Miss McBoyle would easily have seen through such a thin device? Whatever the engineer thought on the subject, he did not express it in words, but he made a pretty shrewd guess at the forewoman's motives. This latest contrivance of yours, which I attached to the boiler yesterday afternoon, seems to be working all right, said Mr. Davis. Is that a fact, sir? answered Will with sparkling eyes. The engineer nodded. You've got some good ideas in that brain of yours, young man, continued Mr. Davis approvingly. I'm satisfied you could pass examination for a stationary engineer's license. Thank you for your good opinion, Mr. Davis. I'm sure I owe a large part of my proficiency to your instruction and encouragement, replied Will gratefully. That may be, admitted the engineer, but if it was not in you, my endeavors would have been wasted. There is a heap of satisfaction in helping a young fellow along when you know he's trying his best to take advantage of his opportunities. All boys are not as clever as you are. Too many of them are ambitious to do great things for which they have no ability, but are not inclined to do little things for which they alone are capable. Now, for instance, that, however, was as far as the engineer got in this occasion, for at that instant there came to their ears a shrill scream from the direction of the factory building. Something's wrong, exclaimed Wells, springing to the open doorway. Yes, something was wrong. The third-story windows of the operating room were filled with the screaming girls, above whose heads a thin film of smoke was sifting out in the afternoon air. Fire! 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 wailed the girls from point to point. Great Scott! shouted Will back to the engineer as he dashed out of the doorway. I believe the factory's on fire! All the men employees working about the yard started for the imperiled building, into the main entrance of which Superintendent Harper, hatless and excited, had just disappeared. Two or three girls came bursting out from the employees' entrance, falling faint upon one another in a heap, and were speedily dragged up and carried several yards away by some of the men. Then a crowd of workers from the ground and second floors came rushing out. On the far side of the factory, that which overlooked the street, Will saw a huge volume of dark smoke mingled with spurts of flame rising above the level of the roof. The place is on fire, sure enough, he cried as he hurried forward. But why in creation don't the girls chase themselves down the main stairway? The reason for this was apparent when the boy entered the building and had mounted to the second floor. 
the stairs leading to the small corridor on the next floor, and which communicated with the main fire escape on the front of the building, was a mass of flames. The upper passage was choked by a dense smoke that blocked any attempt to reach the fire escape in question. All retreat from the operating room by the main avenues of escape was cut off. "'Great Caesar!' exclaimed Will, aghast at the peril which menaced the employees on the upper floor. "'The girls will have to hustle down the emergency iron stairways at the ends of the building.' "'Where's the hose?' hoarsely shouted Mr. Harper at the foot of the burning stairs. "'We're bringing one up, sir,' replied a burly yard man from below, who, with the help of a companion, was dragging a length of fire hose which had just been attached to the hydrant outside the back door. Will saw he could be of no use where he was, and anxious for the safety of the girls and that of Jesse Fairweather in particular, he ran back to the yard in time to see a long ladder planted against the wall of the factory, beneath one of the windows that was crowded with screaming girls. The men were shouting to the girls to go to the ends of the building and come down the iron stairs, but so rattled were the poor things that only a few were seen to take advantage of these exits. "'Let me go up the ladder!' and Will started at once to ascend with the view of calming the panic that was raging on the top floor. The ladder was too short to reach the level of the window, but by carefully balancing himself on the topmost rung, Will grasped the window sill and scrambled into the long operating room, forcing back a dozen girls who blocked the way. "'Why don't you go to the end of the room?' cried the boy to the terrified young woman. "'You can all get down by the iron stairways if you only go about it right.' but it was a difficult matter to bring order out of the pandemonium which now existed on the top floor, and small wonder that it was so, for the place was growing hazy with smoke and the sinister roar of the flames in the corridor outside was terrifying to the girls, who could see the fire through the cracks in the blazing partition. Will began forcing the groups of employees toward the other end of the building, never for a moment ceasing to shout to them how they could get out, until at last he got the tide set in both directions, and the girls then began to stream down the iron stairways, encouraged by workmen on the several landings and on the ground below. By this time a stream of water was turned on the fire, but the blaze had got too much headway to be subdued by one line of hose. However, help was coming from the outside. The town fire department, three engine companies, were now rushing to the scene as fast as the horses could bring them. Will, working like a beaver for the safety of the girls, had not recognized Jesse among the crowd, which had by this time thinned down to a dozen or two, waiting their chance in fear and trembling to get to the iron stairs. She must have got out all right, he thought thankfully as he saw the last of the girls passing through the end windows of the smoky room. Gee, it's getting pretty hot up here now all right. The fire's got hold of the dressing room, I see. The girls will lose all their clothes, but better that than their lives. Time for me to go, I guess. At this moment, one of the sides of the partition separating the operating room from the corridor fell in with a crash, and Will had a clear view of the blazing stairway beyond. It was like looking into a fiery furnace. The flames were in full control of the end of the dressing room on the other side. As he started for one of the iron stairways himself, tears in his eyes from the effects of the smoke, and his throat parched and smarting from the same cause, he suddenly stopped short within a few yards of the blazing dressing room. The hurry glance he had cast in that direction showed him a human hand and part of an arm thrust through the half-open doorway. "'Great heavens!' he cried. "'Some poor girl's fainted in there. I must save her at any cost.' Dropping on his knees to escape the stifling air as much as possible, he crawled rapidly over to the door of the dressing room. 
Pushing the door wide open, he saw in the red glare of the blaze that now had full possession of the room, two insensible girls, one of whom, who seemed to have been in the act of dragging her companion away from peril when she herself had been overcome, he recognized with a thrill of horrified surprise as Jesse Fairweather. The other was Jesse's bitter enemy, Tessie Rickson. Will took in the situation at a glance. "'You're a noble girl, Jesse. He murmured as he seized hold of her hand and released the grip she had on Tessie. But that I saw you by the merest accident. You would have lost your life for the sake of the girl who tried to ruin you this morning. He dragged her several yards away and then returned for Tessie, the hem of whose skirt was now on fire. He beat out the fire and carried her forward a short distance toward safety. Alternately, he worked the senseless girls toward the end of the long room, with the flames now in control of the floor reaching out hungrily after him. Staggering along, grasping for breath and dizzy from the heat, he slowly drew them nearer to the opening connecting with the fire escape. End of chapter 8